Soho is the heart every city ought to have. In fact, most great cities do have their own versions of Soho. For example, Saint-Germain-du-Prés on Paris's South Bank, Kreuzberg in Berlin, and the Lower East Side in New York. What do these areas have in common? Not much, perhaps, certainly very little architecturally. But what they do share defines their essence. They all exist within the centre of the city, yet are outside the conventional orbit of city centre life. There are enclaves that evolve for communities of outsiders of various sorts, where historically rents have been low for sustained periods of time, often for a wide range of complex reasons. This has meant that old buildings tend to survive, creating a rich architectural setting. Notably, all are places where immigrant communities have established themselves, along with exiles and artists, to create vibrant cosmopolitan areas that are sometimes shocked, but more often culture-enriched, the cities in which they have flourished. Soho is most certainly no exception. Barrack Street, with this exotic and long-established street market, Italian then Jewish in its essence, regularly enthralled more adventurous Londoners. Virginia Woolf remembered it in the early 20th century as a place fierce with light that pleased me to the depths of my heart. Within such enclaves, when at their best, a feeling of companionship evolved, no doubt engendered by shared difficulties, along with a sense of independence and of liberty. By tradition, they have become places where coexistence has bred tolerance and where grassroots democracy and equality have flourished. These qualities have given most of them, certainly Soho in much of the 19th and 20th centuries, the atmosphere of a village within the city, in which residents know each other and are enriched by their differences. They become distinct communities, thriving against the backdrop of historic but still living buildings and streets. But they are incredibly fragile. Traditionally, they are protected by the presence of noisome or potentially noxious trades or industries, by poverty, by neglect, by all those things that make them unattractive to the average city dweller or business. But when the balance shifts, when the threat of change becomes certainty and stability is established, the vulnerability of such areas is only too apparent. As the mix of uses and characters ceases to be odd, different and exotic and becomes mainstream in its appeal, then doom looms. Most wayward urban areas fall victim these days, not to slum clearance or mass demolition for roads and office building, as was a threat in London in the 1960s and 1970s, which almost obliterated Soho's neighbour, Covent Garden, but to their own success. Their sense of community, their vivid life, their central locations are inherently attractive, and when noisy trades or troubling industries move away and legislation is enacted to reduce their perceived problems, in Soho's case, the overt sex industry, then those who make their living through property investment, attracted by the new sense of stability, take a keen and greedy interest. Rents rise, independent enterprises are forced out, communities are dispersed, family homes are lost, Historic but commercially inconvenient building fabric is cleared away, often with facades retained in an attempt to screen the scale of change. And what was once real, true and alive is suddenly false, fake and dead. This complex process is now usually summed up 
by disgruntled observers or by those who have suffered, as gentrification, an odd word, the meaning of which is somewhat subjective, which is generally used to describe the displacement of an indigenous urban community, usually artisan or trade and craft based, located within a decaying inner city area by a more affluent but essentially alien and transient community that covers the location of the buildings it colonises and has the wealth and influence to get what it wants.